Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker, Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the Hacker Maker. In each episode, I have a unique guest sharing their story of how they got into cybersecurity and their tips and tricks on helping you get into the industry as well as uh, advancing your career. And so today I'm very, very happy to have one of my best friends on Wirefall, the founder of Dallas Hackers Association. Uh, I've been meaning to have him on the show for a while, but the thing I get ADD when it comes to finding guests, I'll know someone I need to invite and then it just slips my mind. And, And so finally here it is that the show's been going for over a year and finally got got you on so thanks for joining Wirefall. absolutely a year and and how many extra bacons that we've had between yeah when you first talked about it and now. <laughs> and for the for the listeners out there you know some of you then in cybersecurity may un, may recognize the extra bacon uh kind of uh term there and that's like for those that are new to cybersecurity, don't know about it, that was like a cisco attack uh extra bacon and so one of our favorite restaurants serves some of the best bacon in the area. And so when we meet for lunch, we meet for extra bacon. So that's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. So how are things going in your world? Going well, going well, very busy, uh, which, you know, uh, better to be busy than, than not. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to finally have you on. And one of the things too, for the listeners is Wirefall has been pen testing, you know, professionally for many years. So how long have you been pen testing now? My first paid penetration test was uh 96. 96. So, yeah. 26 years, I guess. Wow. That's, yeah. that's long, especially considering there's not very many people in the industry that have that much, much experience. So I know you've just from my brief time and I've, I've only been in, a little over 10 years and the change I've seen, I can just imagine how things have changed since, uh, since you've been doing this. Oh yeah. In the beginning, I mean, there, that's when around the time when NMAP and Nessus as an open source project and all those things started. So we're, there weren't even reliable port scanners. Uh, it was a very different environment. Uh, the one thing though is it was a very target rich environment. <laughs> Uh, you know, nobody, nobody was considering security. They were just throwing everything online because, you know, the web is going to change everything. And so people rushed into the, the web and, uh, yeah, um, security was an afterthought. And that was even before back when Microsoft was still doing their, their operating systems or products were completely unlocked to start with. And it was up to you to lock them down opposed to now where it's gotten a little better, where they, they're a little more tired on security. You have to loosen things up. Yep. So yeah, it's must have been pretty interesting because now, I mean, nowadays we've got all these tools to make the job easier. But you know, based on my experiences, I think things have gotten more difficult. But the tools are good there. I mean, it's you know, I kind of, uh, I guess, I'm kind of a self-proclaimed script kitty because you know, I depend on a lot of those tools and 
And it seems like, you know, the industry creating those tools have made it easier for people to be uh, lazy and not learn uh, some of the more manual ways of doing things. But I guess when you, you think about doing a pen test, it's about be able to get it done in time and not about how pure you are to the hacking concept, I guess. Yeah, the whole goal is to provide value, as much value as you can in the time resource bound activity that is penetration testing. Yeah. So yeah, anything you can do to automate to uh to to make it faster, as long as you're not missing things because of that lack of understanding. So I definitely think there is a, a need to have a, a baseline of knowledge. Um, you know, I know a lot of people getting into the industry they just want to come in and do pen testing. Um and I'm not saying I'm not saying you can't at all. That's absolutely a, uh, a career path that can be chosen. But I really push for people to not get into infosec like that, uh, pen testing particularly, but infosec in general. Of bring something to infosec, you know, have some sort of specialty or talent that we don't have and we need. You know, um, you don't just secure things to secure things. Like if I have to do a, an assessment on a database. Well, I'm not a DBA. I've learned SQL and other things to help in my job, but I'm not a DBA. If you're a DBA and you know the databases inside and out, you're going to do a much better job at analyzing the security of that than I am. So. Yeah, those are good points. And you, and you think about even the, you really think about stuff, even people that have worked as security guards, understanding physical security and stuff, that's something that people can actually bring to uh, security as well. Absolutely. Because actually when I was getting my CISSP, I worked for a company that we did electronic security for prisons. So I was a, a CAD draftsman and I helped to, uh, produce the drawings that would show the layouts of the different security cameras and the different access card access readers and uh, different security devices in the prisons. And so I kind of used that as part of my experience when I got my CSSP because physical security was actually part of the, right. the, the different the domains. Realms, domains. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So the most difficult part of the test for me, I, I, I got my CSSP back in uh, 2000 okay. um, when basically there weren't, study guides or boot camps or it was based the 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 website said here's the 150 books we based this on or something um and uh, uh the hardest for me was the physical because that's not something i mean other than the military and you know situational awareness those types of things i wasn't involved in design of any physical security attributes so when they're talking about asking questions of you know at what height do you put lighting over a razor wire fence uh no idea, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some of the terms and things they had in there, because I remember something, I don't even remember what it was now, but something from the exam or the, or studying for it was the, the pedance fence, whatever that is. Mm. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. So it's pretty interesting how things have, have, have changed since then. So uh, before we get too far into this, why don't you kind of uh, introduce yourself and, and kind of share how you got started in uh, pen testing. Sure. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, thank you for the introduction, Phil, and uh, thank you for the friendship over all these years. Uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, Phil attended the first Dallas Hackers Association meetup ever and helped make us the success we are today. So thank you, Phil. Oh. Now, uh, 
I don't have as glorious of a uh, uh, origin story as you, <laughs> <laughs> but um, like many of us in the industry, it's definitely very uh, non-direct, circuitous. Uh, I dropped out of college. Um, I ended up in the military. Uh, that's where I was trained in uh, radio communications, fixing radios. Uh, so very technical. I was already into electronics as a kid, and so it, it really matched my interests and capabilities and gave me uh, experience, referenceable experience, as well as uh, some much-needed discipline. <laughs> uh, got out of there, went back to, to bad jobs. I mean, I've worked, I've worked uh, at county dumps. I've worked uh, cleaning truck stop showers and bathrooms. Um, the gamut, uh, you know, it's not all get a degree, go into the field and you, you didn't do what you have to do. Um, but the, the big break for me was, uh, like I said, I separated from the military. I was just taking jobs, any job I could get, went back to a community college for a, uh, computer network operations associates degree on the GI bill while I worked and uh, then an opportunity came up at a uh, local sheriff's office to take care of their radios as well as their developing network. It was a token ring, 16 megabit uh, network with Novell network, Banyan vines and windows NT three, five, one. So uh, the workstations were going to a windows 3.11 work group so we could network them. And uh, it took about four hours to set one up with all the floppy drives. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, um, anyway, that gave me the exposure to uh, the computer side. I was, you know, I had messed around with computers since I was, you know, like 80, it was 82 um, junior high. But I never really got into them. I would I would mess around with them. I would uh, dial into the mainframe at my stepmother's work and play text-based games and, you know, uh, write basic programs from Dragon Magazine for Dungeons & Dragons. And I guess that was my first hack was learning that basic random command wasn't really random. It was It took a seed value, and it would always produce the same numbers in a row based on that seed. And so, uh, yeah, uh, as a dungeon master, uh, if you weren't making me happy, a random monster would all, all of a sudden become a gold dragon. <laughs> <laughs> well, the computer says, computer says, um, anyway, so very circuitous. Uh, my first pen test was for, uh, it was actually somebody I met through college. They worked at a credit union and they were worried about going online. And my focus really had been security because, you know, as I, as I came back and I'm, I'm, I'm new to the area as far as, you know, I haven't lived there forever because I've been in overseas my entire tours. Um, everybody was talking about the web and this is going to be revolutionary. Everything's going to the web. And, and so I get a local dial-up account and start poking around. And uh, you can connect to anybody's hard drive, basically, that's connected to the same the same uh, 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 provider. I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, this isn't going to be huge. Um, and I was absolutely wrong, of course. 
it did. It exploded despite those weaknesses. So my goal began to, I want to understand this. I want to be able to secure my computer so that others can't do anything to me. And that's really where it started. And this is 95, 95. So, um, and I know one of the things is talking about uh, getting into the industry and really on my, from, if you're talking about from my, my, my perspective, I would have to say, you know, I, I can't give great recommendations because I just happen to be in the right place at the right time doing the right things. Um, you know, uh, I, I joke all the time that it, when I, I get some uh, people asking me those questions of, well, research theoretical physics, invent a time machine, go back to the dot-com boom and say, I know security. Boom, you're a security expert. Um, it was ridiculous. There was just no nobody in the field at the time. Uh, and, and by the way, if you do invent a time machine, don't waste it on that. <laughs> 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 go do something more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i would i would build one go back and then i would uh find share and said hey i did it <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, very very interesting uh way of getting in and one of the things that's interesting too is you know i i see nowadays and in my opinion i think it's well i guess i guess it's tough to to decide which is more difficult because back before people really knew about it there weren't really that many security roles uh, you know, it, I guess it was, I don't know, from my experience, it was kind of e easier getting in, but nowadays there's so many people that know about it. I mean, you think about back when you got your CISSP, uh, usually only, pe only people that probably knew about it were people in security or that was kind of aware of security because it's not like now that people without even IT backgrounds know about the CISSP and the OSCP because they're trying to find ways to get into security but it just seems like now i can just kind of feel people's pain because it looks like you know it just seems like it'd be a lot more difficult when you got so many people trying to get into it and it's not all about the people with the passion that want to do it it's people that know you can make good money and that's why they want to get into security so i can see where it would be a lot more difficult i would and, think yeah and the fact that now you can get a uh, <laughs> you can get a phd in cybersecurity. i mean there weren't even security programs back back then you know yes. uh, in, in fact the the associates i received and that's you know uh, I've, I've taken other courses but that's the only degree i have um my associates was in computer network operations which was brand new at the time really all they did was take the programming degree and add a few networking courses uh, it was still though i had to take uh um you know machine language i had to do uh write write a database in in you know asm using asm or whatever the you know is it ridiculous from a network mm -hmm. operations perspective you're never going to do this this stuff but it was so helpful and useful from the hacking perspective because now i'm exposed to c plus plus i'm exposed to uh, these different languages i'm exposed to assembly language i'm exposed to you know um the concepts of how these programs are being built, which better allows you to understand how to, uh, you know, actually uh, make them do things that they're not supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, pretty interesting how the, the degrees and stuff have changed over the years. Cause I remember 
probably when I was first getting into security, you know, really the only degrees you saw it there were master's degrees and a lot of cases it was some kind of CIS degree or MIS degree with specialization in cybersecurity. A lot of it was data security assurance and not really getting into any of the firewall stuff. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting how things have changed. And it's really interesting for those that uh, haven't heard of Dallas Hackers Association. Dallas Hackers Association was what was founded back in 2013. That sounds about right. Yeah. 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 So it's been around and it's interesting how it's really helped the the security community in the Dallas area, Dallas Fort Worth area really evolve because whenever, whenever I joined the local communities, I was a member of the North American information security group, NASIG. And that's where I found out about Dallas hackers getting ready to start up, but I didn't know about like the local DEF CON groups and, and that sort of thing. And that's one of the things that's been great about DHA is you've kind of, you starting DS, DHA has helped people learn about other groups and get other people involved and help the security grow overall. It, it's, it's been a wild ride. Absolutely. The, uh, um, we had the 19th anniversary of DC 214, our DEF CON group, uh, last week. And there was a, a bunch of reminiscing from all the former uh, and current uh, um, leadership. So we had Matt Hat there, Isaac there, Juno there, and telling stories of the growing pains. The, the community back then was a lot different as well. Um, people talk about the toxicity of InfoSec. There, there is still issues. And uh, if you go to InfoSec Twitter, it's, it's amplified. <laughs> but... Back in the day, it was truly, truly toxic. I mean, it was, it was, um, uh, the groups were very insular. Many of them were against each other. You're either part of that group or this group. It was very cliquish. And I mean, that goes completely against what hacking's about. Hacking to me is about sharing information, is about learning and sharing and growing. And, uh, um, so very long story short, I, I did a bunch of work down state of texas in austin and uh they have group aha austin hackers anonymous that's the mothership of all haws uh there's now quite a few of them around the, the country maybe even world but um they are very exclusive as well they say you know uh participate or don't come period uh they want to see you know, super technical stuff uh tell you to cut your chops elsewhere and then come there to share um, so I, I, I didn't care for that exclusivity. I mean, I, I've, like you said, I've been doing this for 26 years and I still go into an aha meeting and I'm like, I don't belong here. <laughs> 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 they make me nervous, but, um, we call ourselves a kinder, gentler aha. So, so why did I take the inspiration from that? Because the drive was participation and it wasn't a one hour, one and a half hour talking head presentation. They're fire talks. And that's the format we've taken at DHA. So um, you get up, you sign up, you talk for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and uh, take questions. And then if people are interested in what you have to say, yes, you can't go into a full in-depth exploration of something in that amount of time, but you get people excited about it. And they come afterwards and they talk to you about it. Um, One of the things we do at DHA is like the exact opposite of what – they tell you in, in, in classes on public speaking is do not talk to your audience. 
talk to you because the audience is going to be so varied. We're going to have people who are coming in there going, uh, I, 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 I want to learn how to program Python and okay, great. Um, that's awesome. Then we have people in there writing zero day exploits for ATMs, you know, so the, the range, you're not going to be able to talk to both of those groups at once. So talk to you. If it's, you've just written that first, your first Python script, guess what? You're going to inspire that person who wants to learn Python. You know, um, if you're that person doing the ATM zero day and everybody's just looking at you with glazed eyes because they don't understand anything you're saying, well, you're going to inspire somebody out there to go, I want to understand that and I'll go do my research. Um, but then you also get the connections of knowing who, who knows what and uh, and really I think that builds the community, not just having a couple people who speak every month and everybody respects, which is great. Um, unless of course the subject matter matter is not of your interest. And then that's a very bad night because you're having an hour and a half of PCI compliance or something. Um, but uh, yeah. So, it, and then the building of those relationships, understanding that now I can just get up and talk real quick and other people know what I talked about. So we, now we have something that we can converse about in the audience. Cause uh, let's face it. A lot of us are not the most, uh, socially adept people out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, some people say we're not professional either. Oh, <laughs> for the <laughs> listeners out there that, uh, yeah. Uh, DHA, uh, prides ourselves. We pride ourselves on not being professional. And, uh, as we say, we have the receipts. There is a meetup review that slams us for being childish, unprofessional, get a life type things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty funny, but, as you know, we were having lunch recently, having extra bacon, how you mentioned we've been lucky that we, had, that there hasn't been that much drama, which is a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the most difficult. Well, two of the most difficult things to me for community uh, uh, are um, one. Yeah. There is going to be conflict. There's going to be different things that need to be resolved. And how is that resolved? Uh, you know, we started out with the mantra of just be excellent to each other good old Bill and Ted. And we now have a full code of conduct. We have to. Um, so, you know, is how are those things going to be resolved? But more importantly, I think for the growth to me is um, one, one of the things that I had against some of the other groups when I first got into the, uh, the area here was that you didn't feel like you belonged when you were new, you came in, there were so many inside jokes and different things and everybody had established relationships. It really felt, uh, well, you felt like an outsider unless you put in the work and became part of the group. Uh, but that also makes a very strong group because they have those strong ties. It's diff uh, So how to stay open to new people while building those ties that bind you as a group that make you unique, that make you, you know, people want to come there. Well, ours, I think one of the things is the shtick of being unprofessional, you know, uh, everybody get, joins into that meme and, and it becomes a group trait. But uh, yeah, it, it's that I think is the key to growing because you, you want to encourage new people, but you also want there to be a unique reason for people to want to be part of your group. Yeah, definitely out of all the groups around, that's one of the ones people definitely 
like to associate with and want to be part of. And one of the things I think it's unique because you, you mentioned how it's open to, you know, complete beginners, but it's really nice the way it's a mixture of, you know, super smart people, beginners and everything in between. And now, I mean, we, we've, we've always had, well, we haven't always, but for a long time we've had uh, separate rooms for other activities and that's grown. Uh, this past month we had not only our CTF room, capture the flag room, lock sport uh we there's uh what we didn't have it last month but there's um libra technica which is like a uh well it's hard hard to explain it's kind of like a crypto party but with uh, crypto party plus plus let's put it that way um and then we had a new room we had a hardware hacking learning soldering and we had another room with uh professional development so resume review uh practicing mock interviews, those types of things that could to an, enhance the soft skill side. And, you know, one of the benefits too, you know, the, the not being professional, it's kind of nice too, when you, there's some other security organizations that, you know, you're really, the dress is business casual and you just kind of feel like you just, I don't know, you just doesn't feel natural. You, you can't really relax. But one of the things I love about Dallas Hackers Association is to be able to Go in, be comfortable, be yourself, be welcome. Absolutely. We, we have a new room as well, uh, a game room. So uh, we have board games and uh, there's talk of actually starting up uh, those. I don't know what they are. The I don't play them. The card games like WoW and Magic or those, those types of things. So Cool. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing what it's grown from because uh, remember the very first meeting we used to meet was Alan Wicker's pub? Yep. Because what were some of those first meetings like? Like maybe twenty people or something like that. Which was, I mean, I, I, I was impressed, and that's what I thought DHA would be. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what Aha was for a, a long time. I think they've grown to, you know, closer to probably thirty or forty. But um, that's what I anticipated because that's what I'd seen in Aha. That's what I thought the interest would be, and I was I was happy with that. We had we had great talks. We had great conversations. Uh, you know, that's where you and I built our friendship. And, um, I would have been happy if it had stayed that way, but I'm ecstatic that it's become what it has because we're able to reach more people. And that to me is the important part. You know, the numbers, I don't, I don't care. I, you know, the, we've had what upwards of 150 people before and everyone says, Oh, that's so impressive. That's so impressive. What's impressive to me is that that means we've affected that many people that are then going to bring in other people. The, 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 the concern I have though, is that, you know, we continue to grow, but it's kind of tapered off around. I mean, you know, the pandemic was hard, but now it's tapered off around a hundred. Um, and every time there's at least like a dozen new people is like, so where did everybody else go? <laughs> what did we do that ran them off? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think in some of those cases is people that just, are more worried because they're still extremely cautious due to the pandemic. I think that's the case. And then sometimes people fall out of habits. So when, before the pandemic, everyone knew first Wednesday of the month, Dallas hackers and they would show up. So I think sometimes getting out of those and sometimes it's too easy. You know, a lot of jobs have kind of pivoted to internal, I mean, actually work from home jobs and, you know, you get in a habit like that. Sometimes it's hard to get out of the habit. You don't want to leave the house. So yeah, that's true. And I, I remember one story of when, when Tinker was still emceeing 
and uh uh you know he would put it forward like you, you come this first night it's a freebie sit back enjoy next time you're talking right and this one individual felt like they had I, I learned later they felt they had nothing to say they went and learned as much as they could came back a year later and talked because they thought they had to talk the next time <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah yes speaking of tinker there's been a lot of uh really great people that's kind of helped along the ways tinker uh commander and uh, mobius you know with the lock sport and the the ctf and just other people that have contributed there's you know always someone that was willing to give a talk when some of those nice people didn't feel like feel like speaking and mm-hmm. you know helping encourage others to speak i mean it's really cool to see the careers that have kind of come out of dallas hackers association you know some people when they joined weren't even in security and some people weren't into pen testing yet, but just to see how some, some amazing careers and some speaking careers. I mean, you look at uh, rainmaker, which for those yeah. that aren't part of the community, rainmaker is the new MC. He replaced uh, tinker when he, when he moved away. But uh, you know, when he first started, he was doing some speaking, but I mean, his career took off like crazy speaking wise. And then Uber kitten, I mean, Uber kitten, yeah, it's just it, amazing. From from a, a talk at D- Uber Kittens, they're they're uh, uh, barcode. Yeah, talk from the stage at DHA to DC two and four to B sides DFW to DefCon. The yes. same thing with like hash. Uh, same the, those same progresses that you know it. You don't have to. You know, the, I think people would stress is like uh, they want to do a, a let's say a, a, a DefCon talk. Well, how do you do that? You do that by, you know, you don't just, I think people bite off a lot more than they can chew. Just start local. And I, 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 I always use the mantra, think global, hack local, just like the, you know, the, the recycling efforts and environmental efforts. Um, but it's true. I mean, that for, for several reasons, one is it's easier. There's a lot more local events, so you can have a lot more opportunities to participate. But also, as you said, Phil, the, uh, uh, the number of opportunities, jobs, speaking engagements that have come out of the local community is because, you know, in general, people trust who they know. But security, it's even, and hacking and privacy, it's even more important because all we have to barter is is trust, right? Where it's, that's really our currency is trust. That's what security and privacy is about. So uh, if I'm looking to hire a new person, that it's going to have basically access to everything. Cause if we're hacking and we're doing it right, we're in everywhere to that organization. They have to fully trust us. So who am I going to trust that resume? I just saw my desk or that person I've seen talk and interacted with in the local community. Yeah. That's, that's a really good environment to get to get to know people in as well. So, I mean, you know, people are a little more relaxed. So you really get to see what the personality is. So those people, and some of the dangerous traits that maybe make you want to uh, avoid yeah. them, <laughs> yeah, that, that aren't on the resume, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you may want to not invite some or make sure that uh, you know if there's any events at work where there's drinking involved, you might want to make sure that they, yeah, <laughs> that they watch themselves. But yeah, 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 we've definitely had some lampshade moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's always kind of funny at the end of the night. It's kind of like we had our 
our DEFCON 940 meeting in, in Denton last night. And it's kind of funny. A couple people at the end of the night had some drinks. Nothing really bad, but you could just kind of tell, you know, that they've been drinking. But it's just kind of funny. Yeah. Some of the experiences. It just made one of the craziest moments I can remember that I thought was pretty funny. Remember the guy that came in, wasn't even an attendee while it's still Alan Wicker's pub. No, no, I was thinking no. about the the guy that came in rapping. He started. He was singing oh, yeah. "Rapture" by Blondie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he just come in. It was the end of the night. We had finished the meeting. Just the socialization part. Yeah. And he come in uh, singing "Rapture" by Blondie. That was kind of funny. I, I had forgotten about that. That was yeah. No, did, were you there at? at uh, it was at uh, family karaoke uh, when the guy got up in the very beginning and was just like a preacher. No, just, I didn't. Oh my goodness! But he was a, a, a crazy preacher. I mean, it was. It sounded like fire and brimstone, but none of it made sense. Huh? It was, well, yeah. It was like, okay, dude. Well, that, that's the end of your fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, what's that? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say. Well, and that's one of the things I like too. Our, our definition of hacking is very, very broad. It's making mm-hmm. something, you know, and and really, even sometimes it's not hacking. It's just sharing of knowledge. Um, the, the story, you know, one of the stories that always comes up is that, you know, we've had a talk on piracy and people be like, oh yeah, yeah. Digital piracy. No, no, no. Arr, piracy. Yep. <laughs> uh, when, yeah. Uh, um, we had a talk about the differences in strategies and communication styles between Indonesian and, uh, uh, Nigerian pirates. I remember, I remember that yeah. talk that was at, uh, Imper- Main yeah. Street back when we used to Main Street Pub, I guess it was. Yeah, yeah, Richardson. Yep. Yeah, yep. And, and and information I will never ever use, but it was fascinating that it, that's this was so interesting to the person they did the research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I've given a talk on hacking your metabolism uh, with uh, keto. Um, yeah, uh, we've had across the gamut. If it's interesting to you, somebody will find it interesting. Yes, definitely. And one of the things, too, that you brought up, too, is you'd mentioned how AHA was inspiration for DHA, but it's really interesting how DHA inspired a lot of other hacker associations to, to start up. Our diaspora, definitely. M- much of it come from coming from people who have been members and left and wanted to see the same type of you know community uh, where they've landed. But we've also had a few who just came down to see. I mean, we've had people fly in from other countries <laughs> just for a yes. DHA. Uh, and then, but then take that experience back with them. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the one guy that flew up from Mexico that time for a DHA meeting. And after that, he was inspired to get a Twitter account too. He didn't have a Twitter account. (laughs) It was because of the popular mechanics article that DHA was featured in. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, and not just the online, it was actually in the physical magazine. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're not just internet famous. We're dead tree dying media famous. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and what, you know, what a good publication is something outside of cybersecurity to, to have an article on something like that, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's really interesting because uh, yeah, it, it said, basically, if you want to be a hacker, come to Dallas. Yeah. In, a, in, in an international magazine, it was like, wow. And then uh, uh, PBS, the local PBS station also did uh, uh, um, interviews with, the leadership at the time at DHA and um, talking, talking about how, you know, this is a destination now for security, privacy tech. Um, 
And I think a lot of that comes from the community. You know, the, we have such a thriving community and uh, you want to you go where things are interesting. But yeah, definitely. that said, if you're not here, all you listeners, um, go out there, participate. That's my key uh, to getting into the field is participate. Uh, you know, um, if you can only do it online for whatever reasons, whether it's, you know, your work commitments or, you know, oppressive social anxiety or physical limitations, participate that way. If you can get out in person, I highly recommend it. Uh, there is no, even, even if it makes you incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I'm not saying you'll get over it, but you'll get used to it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the, support what's out there try all the different groups if something doesn't meet your needs don't be afraid to start it when i first started dha i really had a negative reaction from a lot of the uh from some of the other groups of like we don't need another security group it's like well i'm not getting what i want out of these other ones you know I'm, i'm enjoying them i still continue to participate but i wanted to see something different um i would have rather somebody else had already done that and i could just attend and and yell dumb things from the back that hadn't happened. So I had to take the initiative to do this. Um, now it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, we have a great leadership team, a great community. I am fully confident that when I walk out of here in a couple of years uh, in retirement, that it'll continue on and do amazing things. But um, yeah, get involved, participate. It, if you're in an area that doesn't have any security uh, groups meeting, the, there likely are people getting together for at least at 2,600 or something, but if not start it, there's going to be others. And even if it's just that dozen or 20 people, like when DHA started uh, or even a half of that, um, those are going to be connections that are valuable. And uh, for me, enjoyable. I mean, I am an introvert. It takes a lot of energy out of me going to these meetings, but I wouldn't trade the relationships like we've built together, Phil, or, or many others through this time. Uh, yeah, same here. Yeah, just like you, you're one of, the, one, of, one of my best friends. And one of the things that I like to really compa- compare the different ty- type of community types from from being in being in powerlifting and being part of the fitness community and stuff, I've just never felt one that I really clicked with the way I did with DHA in our community. You know, you just got people that are there to help you and just always, you know, a good, a, you know, a good experience. Well, and maybe you can give us uh, uh, an example, the support of the community when you first started Pwn School, the the support that of uh, that first meetup. Yeah, that was a that was a great experience, and you know, thanks to you and DHA was kind of the inspiration for Pwn School, and Pwn School was meant to be more more educational because I'd had you know we had a couple. Uh, couple of community members, Sir Alexander and psyched Ukrainian that were trying to get into my course over at Dallas college and they were going to transfer from their college. They were too late getting transferred to be able to make the summer course. And I was really disappointed because they were two really nice people from our community. And I kind of decided I wanted to be able to start something education wise that didn't, you know, people had, didn't have the money or whatever to afford tuition or the courses that they could could learn from it so that's what inspired that and and as you mentioned the support from that the support the support was pretty huge because one of our first speakers was whiskey neon he's the one of the former 
uh, AV guys that we had at Dallas Hackers Association. He did all the lighting and uh, music and and some video genius that he performed in the night where he'd make these custom uh, music videos and stuff that were pretty creative. He was like one of the first ones to give a talk and people showed up to support and think how many, they were like a hundred people showed up for, for an initial meetup over a hundred people. That's amazing. And this is, goes to the power of this power of the community. If I would have done this, if I hadn't been part of the community, they wouldn't have been part of the turnout is the community supporting people in the community. Yep. Beautiful thing. Yeah. It's kind of one of the things that was that, one of the things I did like about Pwn School is one of the things is bringing people in to join. They got involved in DHA and some of the other meetups. So that was one of the things I, I like to see too, because used to say it was kind of the gateway meetup. People come there and then they get involved with DHA, DC two and four and the other meetups. Yeah. Or I, I also really miss, um, you mentioned in early days, NASIG and that trans morgrified into North Texas cybersecurity group, which after the pandemic never came came back but that, that was always one of my favorite mm-hmm. uh because one i wasn't involved in it so i didn't have to do anything <laughs> i could just sit back and you know yell stuff from the peanut gallery but also you know you, you've got the ones you mentioned we won't call them out by name but that are just super professional you know if you're in less than a polo you're don't believe it's evident you don't belong um and then you got the dhas the unprofessional and uh Nasig was kind of like I, I likened it to the the uh, watering hole in the Serengeti, where the lions and the gazelles all kind of go. Okay, truce. We're just going to drink here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, had, you had red team, blue team, executive uh, hacker. I, I really liked that 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 mix. And I'm not saying that we don't have that at DHA. Those exist, but um, you know, it was it was a I don't know. Uh, a really well, and also with DHA, I'm always involved, so I don't get to enjoy it as much. <laughs> but. Yeah, that's the, the difficult thing about when you run your own meetup. It's just really kind of hard to spend much time talking. And for the listeners, uh, that's one of the re- reasons Wirefall and I meet up for 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 lunch because hosting your own meetup and stuff, it's kind of really hard to sit there talk to people, and it's just really busy. and And that's kind of how we how we get to to. To visit because you know i remember when i was running the pwn school meetings tearing down my audio video equipment which wasn't as extensive as is dha but i had a setup so i could stream the talks there you know at the time we're just using like zoom but you know had a microphone and speakers so people could hear within the facility better within the venue and then as well as people online could hear the uh, the speaker and see the the screen and all that just tearing that down a lot of cases you just don't have much time to to really talk to people because you're busy disassembling or setting up things. It's uh, yeah, definitely one of the uh, the downfalls and and something I, I miss because people will come up because they they want to approach you they want to talk about you know their interests or where they want to go or you know get it, get advice or or you know provide feedback and you really have to give them cursory, you know, like, Hey, uh, after all this is done, which is going to be like, especially at DHA with the tear down there, it's going to be an hour and a half later. Uh, we can talk. Otherwise you've got a minute, you know, kind of like thing is like, can we do either, you know, so pushing that some of those I push online, uh, you know, just so we can continue the conversation later, whether it's Twitter or whatever. Um, or 
I also recommend the other ones, uh, all the other meetups, because then I would have a chance to sit next to them and talk to them and that because I, I'd have the time. Yeah, it's all, always the nice thing about going to the other ones. I mean, it's pretty amazing that our community, all the different meetups that we had, because, I mean, before the pandemic, there was at least two or three meetings per week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the ones we attend. I mean, I, if you go on meetup, there are just so many yes. others that I don't even look, you know, like Cloud Security Alliance. I haven't been to a Cloud Security yeah. Alliance one. Or like the ISC Squared. I never been, never ever been to any of their their meetups, but there's so many different ones. And then uh, there was cybersecurity nonprofit that was started around here back in 2019, right before the pandemic. So they're another one I'd never attended anything that they did in person, just virtually. So yeah, it's amazing what there was that you could find something two or three days a week, and then even more than that if you if it yeah. worked out schedule wise. Yeah, I was uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, I was attending uh, usually about six a month. Um, I think I've I'd hit eight at one point. Um, I was reaching burnout. I really was. It was uh, <laughs> at max capacity, um, yes. and I was like, I just I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And then the pandemic hit. Pandemic hit, and everything shut down. And I'm like. I'm never complaining again. I'm never complaining again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was the same thing for me, too. Right around the time, uh, I guess the last DC 214 in person at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember going to that one. And then prior to that, DHA. And I just was thinking about that time, man, this is just getting burnt out. And, And at that point, I was probably, yeah, I was going to to DC 214, DHA hosting, you know, two pwn schools a month and then going to North Texas cybersecurity group and North Texas ISSA. And I remember just kind of getting to the point where it's just kind of was really hard to get, want to get out. And then the pandemic hit and then you had no options, but virtual. Yeah. And, and virtual, uh, definitely I think is a mixed bag. Uh, there's a lot of positives in that people who couldn't participate in communities now can, um, it helped people like you do multiple uh, speaking engagements on multiple cons on the same day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which before would have been impossible. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, there was a lot of upside to that, but I just completely, you know, where I was going to so many and I would always go to the local ones and I just stopped going because it, to me there was no differentiation anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. um, well, it's just another online stream. I can go to this other online stream. What does it matter if it's, DFW Houston and Singapore, it doesn't really matter. Right. And, and I think now in our stage of our career, you and I are the same in that you go to the cons for Holocon. Yes. You might, might go see a talk or two that is of interest, but otherwise it's that relationship building and uh, getting to see these people. And that's not the same online. Uh, I totally, totally agree. You know, some of the, you know, Black Hills was kind of, I guess, some of the pioneers in doing the online conferences because they did use Discord. So there was some kind of interaction and it helped things. And I think it really set the pace for what everyone else did conference wise. But in person, you just can't beat it. I mean, one of the first DEF CONs I went to, I remember beating myself up because I didn't see that many talks most of the time I was talking to people. But, you know, going to conferences, it may be the only time each year you get to see certain people or you may 
it may be the only opportunity you ever get to meet someone because, you know, some people come in from different regions or other countries, these conferences, and that may be the only mm-hmm. chance to get to meet them and network with them. Yep. You know, the, the, uh, the online uh, discord, that type of stuff. I, I, I think also there's a generational gap there. Uh, you know, by the time I'm trying to type something, that conversation's gone five different ones. You know, I mean, these people are so quick on <laughs> how they interact. The, the younger generations are. And yes. uh, um, that's the native environment for, for them. And, and, and especially with the pandemic, I think pushed a lot of people to, that's the only environment they, they had to communicate. Um, but just stepping aside with somebody, uh, you know, outside of a, a talk or whatever and having a one-on-one is very different even if it's you're going to DMs or whatever, because somebody else comes by, they join in and you have this other talk. And then you can also avoid some people <laughs> that you've learned <laughs> from past experience should be yeah. avoided and you can't, <laughs> in this, and you can't really in, you know, the public forums. So, y- yes. Yeah. So just kind of the speaking, the pandemic and stuff, have you started to, to get more adjusted to the, you know, back in person, surviving with the pandemic world yeah i mean we've we've been active for a few months with dha again dc214 is there um i will be at north texas issa Cybersecurity conference this friday uh doing a uh, basically a, a volunteering for a community booth so we're going to be introducing the local communities to the attendees uh, this is at collin college so it's a they who ha- they have a cyber security degree program so hopefully pull in some new students get some people excited about the community um i didn't go last year because uh, i was supposed to do some training but they uh at that time they wouldn't enforce masking and it was still during a surge here in the area so uh uh you know i doubt it's it's one thing i i do have a question about Mm -hmm. um like i went to uh, a CISO conference uh, the CISO XC conference previous year, right during, I mean, this is peak COVID in the area. Uh, so these are all CISOs, um, the people who make risk decisions for organizations. <laughs> and I was like one of five people wearing a mask. And I'm just like, okay. Um, same this you know, one year later, the same conference, but I, I, it's the, the formal ones, the ones that are in the polos and the suits, almost no masking. You go to DHA and we had mandatory masking when we came back for, for, for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Now we have it as recommended, um, you know, based, we base it on the local numbers, whether what the CDC says, as well as uh, our local uh, Baylor hospital puts out a report on the expectations of, and our whole thing is, if, if you want to take a risk and get sick, that's your that's your prerogative. Um, we don't want to be a reason to overload the healthcare system. And if it's peaked here, you know, no, we're going to require additional safety measures because we don't want to impact that. You know, it has nothing to do with your personal health. That's your personal decision. But we yes. as a community don't want to have an uh, overbearing effect on the healthcare system. And, so. and it's been pretty good because it looks like most people have complied. There hasn't been a lot of problem with, uh, you know, trying to take the precaution steps. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we had a few, uh, there were a yeah. few that never came back because, you know, that's, then that's their prerogative. Um, yeah. 
that was one of the few drama things that we've had. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's not a bad thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you just have some of those, some of those issues that kind of linger out there and when they can take care of themselves, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to it, I mean, we try to justify it from a logical perspective, you know, and if the, when the CDC dropped the mask requirements and the thresholds are low here, like right now it's not required. Masking is not required at DHA. We recommend, but it's not at all enforced. Um, that changes with what we say when the, when that data came back, when the CDC dropped the mask requirements and the local data was low, the next meetup, I went with the leadership team and I was like, Hey, so we're going to drop the mask requirements now recommended the mask requirements now right because that's what the data shows and some were like well let's just go another month you know uh, my response was we said we would follow the data period and you know that's where i think you should make your decisions your risk decisions it's based on the data not on feelings you know and it's hard yeah. to go back sometimes too i still uh you know i still haven't been back to the gym it's terrible on my on it's been terrible on my health but that's one place I don't yet feel safe. Yeah. So, and, and that's good that you're really following the data because some people, and you know, I definitely, if anyone wants to wear a mask, they should, and no one should give them problems. But at the same time too, you know, it's just nice when people get along with the pandemic and respect others' decisions. But I think it was really great that you're following the data because I mean, you did get started up. You could have just not started at all, but it was, it was great that, uh, you know, you were requiring masks and I think you were, were requiring people. It was like the honor system, but kind of, uh, asking people to make sure they're vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we weren't going to check vaccination cards. These are yeah. hackers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be the easiest thing to copy. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, but yeah, honor system is if you, if we find out later that you weren't, you're banned for life and do you really want to risk that? Uh, cause you're, you know, I mean, that's basically excommunication. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah, don't, you don't want that either because it's losing out of such a great, a great community. And then you don't want to lose the trust either. So, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, definitely something for people getting into the, uh, the field back in the day, there were very few laws and very few resources other than the active internet to go play and learn on. Um, now that is not the case. You can spin up things in your own environment, uh, get free accounts in AWS or Azure, um, and play around with your own uh, environments. So, um, because now there are laws and there are a lot of expectations of what is uh, uh, acceptable behavior on the internet and with networks. So, once you lose trust, we talked about this trust thing before, but it is really hard to get back. You yes. Know? There are amazingly talented people at DHA that I would never let within a hundred yards of my networks <laughs> <laughs> that I don't, I don't trust. I don't, not saying I don't like them or don't enjoy being around them, but that trust is not there. Um, you know, you could be fairly new. You have experience doing all this stuff on your own ballots, going through trainings, going through video tutorials, doing everything on your uh, free net AWS network or your home network. Um, just even if that's just VMs on your machine, you've done all this work and you've shown yourself to be trustworthy. 
absolutely that's that's you know and that i know you you know that you're part of the community you're participating well we're down to the end of the show are there any parting words you'd like to share before we end this episode oh man put me on the spot here (laughs) (laughs) uh well i I will end with um in every once in a while the whole tribe of hackers that fills in as well um I'll have somebody come up and want me to want me to sign the chapter in the book where I'm in. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> You're cut off. Um, which is, it feels really weird to me. You know, it's I didn't right anyway. But my go-to uh, that I, I always use to, to sign is uh, "Don't dream it, be it." That was a great great words to to live by there. And it's a quote by Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. So. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So, so thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join. It's always a pleasure to, to, to speak with you. Enjoy spending any time with you, my friend. Well, appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for joining, and we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.